Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode 53 for the week of June the 15th, 2018. What's up, Adam? It's Origins Week. It is Origins Week. So I'm pretty excited. Uh, I had my first experience of Origins ever today. And uh, for those of you that don't know what Origins is, it is a weekend-long gaming tabletop convention. Vendors are here, people from all over the country. I mean, we literally ran into people from Wisconsin and Indiana and Michigan and Illinois and uh, guys from Australia, that, a Canadian, an Australian that was from Canada. <laughs> he sounded very Australian, but then he introduced himself to us as a Canadian. Yeah, and so, you know... Um, it's basically, if you like to play tabletop games, it is your, it is incredible. It is just, just huge room with tons of vendors and tons of places to play board games. And, uh, we picked up a couple new games and that was a lot of fun. So yeah. If you never heard of it, the full name is Origins Game Fair. It is the second biggest board gaming convention, I believe in North America. And it's actually run by Gamma. Gamma stands for the Game Manufacturers Association. This is the the group of just all the board game publishers. Oh, nice. So it's put on by them. Yeah. Uh, it's always compared to Gen Con. Gen Con's about three to four times bigger. Right. But there's no room to play games at Gen Con. So what they say is if you want to play games, you go to Origins. If you want to buy games, you go to Gen Con, because that's where ah, everything okay. comes out. And that's a lot of premieres and stuff there as well. Everything so. premieres at Gen Con. And, you know, a little disappointed. I was hoping to see two semi-celebrities for me. He's, he's underselling this. His heart was broken today. <laughs> Let me put it that way. So I wanted, to meet, I wanted to meet Tom Vassell. I watch him on YouTube all the time. He's with the Dice Tower. And uh, so I, I got to see Sam and Z and some of the other guys that were there, but I didn't get to see Tom. So I was a little disappointed about that. And then uh, an author that I really like, and my son's like favorite author, is Patrick Rothfuss. And he tweeted, hey, I'm going to be here signing some of my books. It, you know, So Adam and I booked it over there. And he, I guess he would, the, the, the director at the booth said, well, he's on Pat time. So <laughs> who knows when he'll show up? Pat time is how long it takes him to write a book. Because <laughs> he's still writing his third book. Well, I was already prepared. Not as bad as George R. R. Martin time, but it's getting yes. damn near close. It's getting damn near closest for sure. And so... I just wanted to, I was going to kind of had this line prepared where I said, oh, I just want to get your autograph for my son. I'm not here to bring up anything about book three. We're not even going to talk about it, you know. We're not even concerned whether or not if it's going to come out in the next century. It's all fine. I still think that would have made him salty. I've seen him react to people online that mention the book three that's not supposed to be spoken aloud anywhere near him. Yes. So I could have just walked up to him and said, book three, book three, book three. Security might have tackled you. Watch his head explode, you know. But anyway, I I don't know. So I had a lot of fun, dude. Yeah, absolutely. If you like board games. It's a great time. Origins is amazing. We're lucky to have it in our backyard. Yes. I can't wait till next year. I'm going to buy a whole weekend pass. and Get a uh, hotel room. Don't go home. (laughs) My wife probably would prefer that. (laughs) Me rolling in at 1 a.m., 2 a.m. in the morning, you know. Yeah. So... But I guess this is a film podcast, right? Yeah, we're done talking about board games. That was just our adventure today. We're still actually wearing our badges. I just looked at Roger, and he still has his Origins badge on, and I'm still yeah. wearing mine. So Yeah, absolutely. So This is the Film Coterie, Adam. And so if somebody just happens to stumble upon this podcast, what would you tell them the Film Coterie is about? We're a general movie review podcast. So when we talk about movies, we see everything. We go to the big theaters to see the blockbusters. We go to the little art houses to catch the newest indie 
usually an A24 movie, but indie everything. So tonight we're going to be talking about a major release, Hotel Artemis. Yep. And then we're also going to delve into kind of what we've been watching yeah. and, and maybe some smaller gems that are out right now on streaming and everywhere else. Well, well, you know, we have some big movies in the theater right now. One big one in the theater, another big one coming next weekend. And so I have a feeling by next weekend's podcast or by the next podcast or so, we're going to have some more blockbusters to talk about. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, um, we see a little bit of everything and, you know, I can actually, <coughs> Excuse me. I can actually get on the podcast and talk now because I'm far removed from Hereditary. I love Hereditary. It's still my favorite <laughs> movie of the year. And I'm so glad I'm far removed because I'm telling you one thing, man, just the trailer freaked me out. And I know when we had our guest on, um, oh, her name just slipped me. Bridget. Bridget. When Bridget was on at our last podcast. Hi, Bridget. Yes. Hi, Bridget. I hope you're listening. I did, I did remember who you were. It's just, you know, just brain cloud. One of those brain cloud things. Anyway. Bridget was a little lukewarm, but she started, I think she started to warm up to Hereditary by the time you were done with it. And uh, you said this movie has a D minus on Rotten Tomatoes or something? This is the new trend. I mean, this has happened with The Witch. It comes at night. If it's not a mainstream, more typical horror movie, it does not play with the the mainstream audience that that do the cinema score. Well, I, I thought The Witch was excellent. And it got a D as well, you said, right? Yes, D plus. Same score. Well, and some of the guys in our regular movie group hated it, you know? So, yep. yeah. But, um, so we don't, you know, so Hereditary's behind me, and we've got some, you know. I have a Hereditary story to tell. <laughs> okay, let's hear the Hereditary story. Today is Friday. So yesterday, it was a Thursday. Um, we were sitting here. I was still at work. I got a, a call kind of late at night. It was around seven or eight from my dad. And it, you know, I was a little worried maybe something had gone wrong because I usually call them. It's not so usual that they call me. And I, I answer it and he goes, I saw Hereditary. He went by himself. And he's not usually a horror guy. He doesn't mind it, but you know, it's, it wouldn't get him to the theater. But I think just all the talk about Hereditary made him want to see it. Now, here's the funny part of the story. I told him when I saw it back at Overlook, that the ending is nuts and goes for it. Right. Can't miss the ending. Right. Well, he made the mistake of getting the 32-ounce the pop or whatever. Oh, no. And Hereditary is long. It is over two hours. Yeah. And he just couldn't make it anymore. He had to go, and he's just dying in his chair. Oh, no. I, I, Adam's dad, I've been there, brother. I know how you feel. But here's the funny part is that it's two minutes to go in the movie. He told me when he left. He literally just missed the last two minutes. Oh, no. But he gave everyone else a story because how many people are going to see this guy flee out of a theater? <laughs> so now they all have the story that they saw Hereditary. And Hereditary nice. was so intense that a guy got up and just booked it out of the theater with two oh, minutes to go. that's funny. That's it got even excellent. worse because he couldn't get out of his chair because the reclining thing wasn't working very oh, well. No. So he's just... He oh, no. He, no. I mean, it would have really just looked like a guy was struggling to get out of his chair and just book it oh, out of there. Oh, Mr. Barney, I feel, so, I, I feel for you, man. He made it to the bathroom if everyone was worried, <sighs> but that would have been another story. If a guy uh, was so scared, he, he peed his pants and then ran out of the theater. Right in the theater. <laughs> he made it, but that's, a, that's Dude, my hereditary we'd story. Have had to send him an, we'd have had to send him some kind of trophy or something, some kind of special award. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Absolutely. So, well, we have Hotel Artemis on the on the list for tonight. Why don't we take a quick break and come back? You're listening to The Film Coterie.
All right, we're back, and it's time to talk Hotel Artemis. If you've seen the trailer, you might think this is set in the John Wick universe. That was my first. Not that it was connected. To me, we'll talk about whether it is later, but this looked like the first John Wick knockoff, ripoff, kind of inspired movie that I'd seen because it's about a hotel for criminals and kind of a heightened world where they can come and safely be cured yeah well it's a hospital for criminals whereas the other one's a hotel for criminals but they have the same rules no weapons no violence on each other so it has a lot in common with the continental hotel system that we've seen in john wick yeah yeah i thought the same thing that's the that's really what got me in the seat to watch this movie i thought oh this looks like kind of a john wickish kind of movie a world that i don't know about a, a near futuristic world um, I think isn't John Wick set in the present or is it just in, a in the whole, present? Yeah. yeah. Whereas this seems like it's 15, 20 years, maybe 20 years in the future. Yeah. There's a water war going on. Water's become a scarce resource. Right. And some of their medical technology is obviously they're 3d printing organs and stuff, you know, and so. they have drone, not drone, but robotic arms that can do surgery and everything yeah. else. Yeah. So, so it, it's, it's maybe a generation ahead of us or something, you know, to that effect. Um, I got to say, right out of the shoot, I did not like this movie. Uh, I was really, really disappointed. Um, I like the cast, Jodie Foster and, and Jeff Goldblum and Zachary Quinto. And, you know, uh, you know Charlie Day is in this and uh, Dave Bautista is in this. So I'm thinking this has got good cast. I mean, you and know. really, I mean, Sterling K. Brown is the lead role, I would say, in the yeah. film. Yeah. As the, the criminal that brings in his brother. Yeah. And he's been killing it this year with. Uh, I mean, he was in Black Panther as the leader of the guerrilla tribe. And, and, and did it just feel like to you, Adam? Maybe it felt to me like they just—they didn't give him anything to work with. There's nothing. No. There's nothing in the script that make that that pulls out his talent. You know, he's—I mean—he's the plot of the script. How they get to the hotel and what's going on, but everything else is just so disconnected in this film well, that I, most of the characters, their only purpose in the film is to bring an item into it's play. to advance the plot or advance the story. Or I, I didn't get the relationship with his brother. It just seemed forced. It, didn't, it, it, just seemed, it just wasn't organic in any way. I didn't get the relationship with the other female assassin that was there. I mean, you know, her character was very one-dimensional and, you know, very stereotypical in some ways. Um, yeah, I, there's just not a lot to to really... To, for me, there wasn't a lot I really enjoyed about this whole film, to be honest with you. Um, I thought Jodie Foster's performance, um, there's some effort there. Um, I know she's taken some heat for the hop, the little hop hop step that she has. A shuffle. We'll the, just call it a shuffle. Yeah, she puts her, her shoulders forward and her head down. You know, and she's not. And the, uh, the criticism that I've read about it is she, she's trying to play an older person. But she's not, really. I've heard it's a community theater version of playing an elderly person. Yeah, And n- no, she's uh, she's had some real mental illness going on with her character, you right. know? And a lot of anxiety of being outside, being around people. And when you have a lot, when you have a, I, I, you know, uh, when you have a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear and those things, it causes you to hunch your shoulders over. It causes you to kind of shuffle. You're trying to protect yourself protect yourself from the world, you know? So I, I, I don't, I didn't see any kind of community theater at all in that whatsoever. I thought that actually is a pretty decent job. And she stayed pretty true to it all the way through. Um, except for when she decides to leave the building, she seemed to do so almost pretty easily. The second time, the first time she couldn't hardly get 
10 feet out the door. The second time, she just heads off into the parking lot. And I thought, okay, what's that about, you know? Because some of those people will just die instead of having to face that fear, that anxiety. That anxiety becomes so hard it grips them like steel and they can't move, you know? Um, to me, Jeff Goldblum was the only thing that I enjoyed in the movie. He had some good, he had some lines that made me chuckle. <clears throat> he's playing, he's playing Jeff Goldblum. What do you say? <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, I don't have any real complaints about the acting or even the way this looked. I thought the cinematography was fine. Had some interesting visual design. The weakest part is just the script because you have all these criminals coming together for one night. You have Charlie Day playing a criminal. And then uh, Sophia Botella from The Mummy playing another criminal. But their stories do not connect. Nothing to do really matters. There's a helicopter coming. It doesn't matter. The brother had stolen a pen vault, a little pen that had diamonds in it. doesn't matter. I mean, nothing connects. Right. And the other sin it commits, if a movie can commit a sin, is that where John Wick introduced this world to us gradually and, and had our interest in it and expanding this world, there's nothing new in this movie. They just show you the, ho- the hospital the rules and then it never expands from there we learn nothing else about the universe after that and we don't really care but there's no other development of the world as soon as the rules are read that's where the development stops yeah now i will say my favorite part of the movie was probably dave batista i liked his character of everest where he kept saying i'm a healthcare provider and i liked that i liked his character i did but too. he needed a better movie around him i agree i agree wholeheartedly the story there's an idea of a story here and yeah. the idea is a good one and if you just pace this movie a little differently, if you tell the story, if you write it better, if you just if you start out by having these guys robbing this bank and they don't know anywhere to turn, and then they say, "Well, I've heard about this place, or I've heard that there's the," it gradually, like you said, bring us into this hotel, Artemis. Gradually introduce these characters. Make that the first act or two of your movie. And then turn it to where your bad guy shows up at the end. You know, I mean, you know, that's that's the origin story is, the, is, is one of the funnest parts of the journey for me. And that's the thing, too, is that maybe you could forgive the story if it had some good action, right? If it had something else to heighten it, you know, good action scenes and everything else, you might be more forgiving of the just really lackluster story. But that's not here either. The action is fine. Nothing special at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um I'm trying to think, you know, uh, modern technology, they don't, they imply that there's some cool stuff going on as far as 3D printing of organs, you know, taking a DNA sample, then printing a new liver out. Uh, but that's never really shown. It's kind of off screen. So, so it's like they're not willing to invest anything. There's no investment in this movie whatsoever, you know, and that's really disappointing. And I, I'm, it's probably going to go down to my, worst of list you know i'm just really disappointed with this film yeah and i mean there's been movies recently that show us that a single location can work really well like the movies that jump to my mind are the raid and the newest dread both of those are just single location films that that deliver they show how you kind of do it in this movie and then this hotel artemis fails on many of the levels it attempts anything so not one of my favorite movies of the year and I, I just there's no one I can really recommend this to. Even with our friend we call Blu-ray Bob. No, I he, think I, he, he would have been bored this. in this movie. He would have been bored in this movie. Dave Batista's pretty good in it. And you know, we've seen him now in besides um Marvel's the um the 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 the, the um Guardians. Thank you, Guardians of the Galaxy. Sorry, long day, folks. Besides Guardians of the Galaxy, we saw him 
um, in this movie. We saw him in Blade Runner. And, um, and um, the recent Bond, Spectre. And, he was a henchman in there. Oh, okay. I'd forgotten that. Yeah. So, yeah, I could kind of, I'd like to see something more with, with Dave Bautista. Let's keep him in some stuff, you know. He brings something. There's something to his look, his mannerisms. He has an it factor that's worth exploring, I think, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. Um, you know, visually, it's okay. You know, it's just really, I, I, would, I want to like this movie more. I'm not trying to be intentionally really down on it, but, you know, it's just there's so many things about the movie that just doesn't work for me. I will say this. This is the type of movie that hits me when I watch it, where if you were to catch it for the very first time on HBO and you had to leave during the middle of it, I don't think you'd finish it. I wouldn't think you'd make a mental note like, oh, I got to see how that ends. You'd just yeah. be done with it and move on. You wouldn't care. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. So, well, I, I you know, I, I, I hate coming on and doing this podcast when we really find a movie that was a dud or we just didn't like. Um, if, if What are the things I liked about this movie? Let me just get that on the record. I like Jeff Goldblum. I like Dave Bautista. I liked, I liked their, what they brought to the movie. I think the rest of the stuff's really passable, and some of it's really bad. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap it up for Hotel Artemis, short and sweet and to the point. I mean, you know, um, but, you know, that's our thoughts on it. Do you agree or do you disagree? Maybe you loved Hotel Hotel Artemis. Uh, Tell us why we were wrong. Get on our Facebook page or find us on our website and let us know. Let us know your thoughts as well. Let's take a quick break. Let's come back and then let's talk about some of the other stuff we've been watching and what's in the theaters now and what we have coming up. And I'm excited about some of the stuff we have. You are listening to the Film Coterie. We'll be right back. All right, and we're back. And um, I thought, Adam, in this sec- segment here, we would talk about some of the a movie or two that we've been watching outside of film coterie work. You know, something that's maybe streaming on Amazon or, or Hulu or Netflix or something you maybe maybe you went down to your local video store and you rented a DVD. No, I'm just kidding. It's not 1990. <laughs> but anyway, uh, something that you something we've just kind of been watching. And so I thought I would go ahead and share mine. Uh, I have a little I, I, I found this movie that's kind of a revelation. So this movie is called The Last Movie Star with Burt Reynolds. And it's I think um Amazon Prime is where we saw it. So it was in the theaters shortly, and then Amazon pulled it, you know, of course, as they do, and now it's on their streaming service. And this movie passed the Rhonda test. So this is an important thing. My wife's, my wife's name is Rhonda. Right. And if my wife will stop what she's doing and watch this movie to its conclusion, that says a... That says huge volume. So as big as a movie fan as I am, my wife is not. I mean, you know, she likes her historical dramas, that kind of stuff, but she's really not a movie person at all. But we're watching The Last Movie Star, and it was about 15, 20 minutes in, and she popped down on the couch to do something, and she started watching. And she, You know, she was on her phone or something, then she looked up, and she's watching, and then she's watching, and... She stayed for the next hour and 10 minutes and watched the movie to the end. What do you think drew her attention to this film? 
I think it had Burt Reynolds in it, who is a now an aging, older actor from the 70s, 60s. It had uh, Chevy Chase in it. He's an older actor. But I think there's a nostalgia factor with this movie. This movie just reeks kind of like looking back, you know. I mean, this movie, let me just say it up front. I just loved this movie. I'm a huge fan of The Last Movie Star. Um. It is the biography of Burt Reynolds. Without he's not called Burt Reynolds. They they name him another. They, they name him a different name in the uh, in the movie. He's called Vic Edwards in the movie. But it's it's they use they use. So the premise, real quick. Let me just without telling the whole movie away. But I could tell you the whole plot. I could tell you the whole story, and it would not affect your enjoyment or or non non enjoyment of this movie. The basic premise is. Vic Edwards is an aging movie star. He goes and has coffee every day with Chevy Chase down in L.A. somewhere. He lives in a house that in the 70s was probably a really nice ranch house in the L.A. area somewhere, but it's now looks like a 70s house, you know. Still has the pool out back and this and that. and you know. But you can tell that his days are gone and past. And the movie opens with his poor dog, old and decrepit and all this stuff, and he has to put his dog down. So the movie like ends on a downer right from the very beginning, yeah. right? And so he's about as low as he can go, and then he gets this letter in the mail from the Tennessee Independent Film International, the International Tennessee Film Festival. And they say, you are going to be our Honorary Lifetime Achievement Award. We would like to pay your expenses to come out and see this movie. And so they... He doesn't want to do it, but Chevy Chase is like, what else you got to do? Come on, let them go out and brag on you. And previous winners were Clint Eastwood and, you know, these really A-list actors and stuff. And so he agrees to do it. Well, they fly him coach, and when he gets out there, he's expecting a limousine, and this beat-up old nasty car pulls up, and it's this girl that's the— Imagine Burt Reynolds and all that he is, and then there's this young 20-something girl that is the extreme opposite of him. Just walks right by him on her phone, cussing at her boyfriend, all the, you know, the whole nine yards. Well, anyway, he gets finds out that this is kind of like some young, there's some young kids that decide to start their own film festival. They've invited all these other people and gave them the award, but nobody else has showed up yet. He's the first one to actually show up. And the, uh, the, one, of the, one of the kids that actually runs the film festival is the actor from I'm Dying Up Here, the long hair, guy with the long hair. Is that Clark Duke? I think it is. Yes, Clark Duke. And, he, and I really like him. I really li- enjoy him a lot on the show, I'm Dying Up Here. And he's really good in this. Because these people, you know, it, it's the typical scenario. They all, he's mad that it's a big sham, and they're mad because he's pissed off and not going to show up anymore. And it's his journey of looking back over his life of film. And the cool thing is, is when they cut to Vic Edwards' older films, they actually show you clips from Burt Reynolds' old films from the 70s and from the 60s. You get the actual clips of when he was a younger actor. And then they interpose uh, dialogue where he actually is in that scene as an old guy, and he's talking to himself as the young guy. And using clips in the film. So really neat how they put this thing together. The movie just really works for me. And he goes on a journey of learning something about himself. And and it has just this real good feel-good. You know, you can tell it's building to this moment, real good feel-good moment at the end. And my wife just bought into it. She just loved it. She thought it was really enjoy, enjoyable. 
Um, if it had went in a tank and, and maybe had a really bad ending to it, she probably would have hated the movie. Somebody has to put him down like his dog. Exactly, you know. But um, I just loved the performances. I thought Burt Reynolds, was his performance was honest, realistic. He didn't sugarcoat that, you know, he's getting old and he's got all these problems and physical problems and some mental problems and, you know, and just, it just works. I mean, in the... It, I don't know, and maybe other people may hate this movie, but I sat down and watched this thing through, and I was so moved. I haven't been moved in the watching a movie in a long time, and I was just really moved um, to tears almost once, and then just such a warm feeling at the end when you realize what's really important and what's really not important, and it's the people. Because these kids, all these young kids at this bar, love this Vic Edwards actor. They know every one of his movies and can recite. They're the true fan, his true fans, not the thousands that went and have done totally forgotten him. These are the real fans, you know, and to see them kind of connect and to see him get affirmed in that kind of way was just really, really cool. Just loved. I highly recommend. I, I shared a lot of the movie already on the podcast. I could tell you the whole entire story. It will not change your enjoyment. It's not about the plot, you know. It's about the, this is a movie about the journey. Mm -hmm. And if you have a night where you have a couple hours free, nothing to do, I highly recommend uh, The Last Movie Star. I think it's excellent. Yeah. I mean, you've put this on my radar, so it's on my list. I just need a free evening to check it out. Yeah. So how about you, Adam? What have you been into? What have you been watching uh, uh, in the interim? Okay. This one's a strange one for me. And I did not pick this movie. I was watching something else on HBO. It's my favorite kind. And it came on. (laughs) Right, you didn't change the channel. I didn't change the channel. Something else rolls on, and it actually kind of drew me in. And it's a, a new documentary. It was came out this year. It's on HBO. It's called "For Whom the Bell Tolls," and it's a documentary about John McCain. Now, obviously, you may have a very strong opinion of of Senator McCain, sure. based on your political <clears throat> leanings. Sure. I'm not going to get into the politics of it all. Um, I think this documentary is very interesting, regardless of what you think of him. Okay. About his military career, everything else. It shows all of his faults, too. He's, he's made a lot of mistakes. And some he owns up to and some he doesn't. And I think, you know, just to get a better understanding of a person, this documentary does a good job. I will say I think it skews more positive than negative. This isn't a hit piece. Okay. It is sort of a celebration of his life and career. But I think it's just a, an interesting look. And if you know what? If you disagree with him, you may disagree with him even more after watching with this. Or maybe you'll soften on him. At the same time, if you, if you think he's the best guy in the world, yeah. when you see some of these mistakes he made and you know, he left his first wife, you know, this may sour you on him a little bit. I, yeah. I, he's at a point in his life now where he's not doing well. He has a terminal diagnosis. Yeah. And to him, right now, I think all he's thinking about is his legacy. Exactly. So he participated in this documentary, and his family's in it too. His daughter, Megan McCain, is, is very popular on social media. They're all in on it, just talking about their dad. And I think it's just an interesting look at one of our our politicians that has quite the life story. Wow. Well, yeah, there's so much about John McCain. He's had to overcome so much, you know, with with being captured and tortured and all of that. Yet he, he comes back and he's not... It sounds like from what you're saying, he's not just your typical goody-goody hero. He's a flawed man yeah. that makes mistakes. But guess what? 
we're all human. We all, whether you're Democrat, Republican, not being political at all, people are flawed, you know? And so you have to take the good with the bad sometimes. And so, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm glad you watched this and, and you, um, you're kind of, you know, you're positive on it a little bit. So that, that'll put it on my radar as well. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, whatever you think about him, I always respect his view on torture and interrogation because this is a man who lived it. Not how there's no other senator or politician that has been tortured for years. Yeah. Period. Absolutely. So, you know, I always respect his viewpoint on that. And I just looked, I, I ranked this as a three star film on my letterboxd account, and at the average is three and a half. So I mean everyone's kind of digging it a little bit. And like I said, yeah. obviously your your political <clears throat> leanings may affect how you, you view this. Not the best documentary ever made, but it was sure it's well it is well made, well organized, and that it's very watchable. Nice. It, it goes in chronological order. Okay. But I would I'd recommend checking it out. It's on nice. HBO right now. Excellent. It's called For Whom the Bell Tolls. For Whom the Bell Tolls. And that's not a that's not a knock on him or right. anything about his current right. situation. Oh, yeah. That's his favorite book. Nice. Excellent. Well, as we kind of bring this podcast to a close, Adam, um, man, we have a couple th- movies that are one in the theater right now and one premiering next Thursday. Incredibles 2 is in the theater. This is your jam. If we had not had Origins this week, we would be reviewing Incredibles 2 right now. Um, I, I cannot wait to see this. I'm trying to temper my expectations but the bar is really high for me. Uh, uh, the original Incredibles is, I'll say it first of all, it's my favorite Pixar movie of all time. You have to remember this, folks. Incredibles came out before the first Iron Man movie. So Marvel has put out 18 movies since the, since the Incredibles came out. Incredibles was the first. Superheroes can be funny. They can be cool. They can be... Um, you can, you know, you can, you can enjoy them. Um, they can have depth. There can be real story there. I think the Incredibles gives you all of that. Um, and here we are all these years later, and now we're getting Incredibles too. And I cannot wait to get a free moment to go see this movie. How about you? Is it on your radar? It's on my radar and I I liked Incredibles, but you know, I'm excited for you to see it just because I know how much you like the first one. I do think it was an interesting choice that this looks like it's a pretty... It's a sequel that falls closely to the first one because the baby's still a baby. That that is the one caveat. I'm sorry to interrupt you. That's the one caveat that is makes me a little hesitant. They haven't had any time go by in the in the Incredibles world, you know, because the baby's still the baby. And I'm like, oh, it would have been nice if they, he'd have been like a, a teen, a early teenager or something. And I'm, you know, I'm sure Pixar had a reason for that. But when Incredibles two got announced, here's my thought: I thought it was going to be a generational story. I thought they're going to be grandparents. I thought they might jump ahead. See, I did too. And have the superhero grandparents, the parents, and then the new babies. Yeah, but, but no, we'll see. And it's I, I've peaked. It is tracking pretty good. So folks are enjoying it. So we'll see. It's pretty high bar for me. And then after that, we have Jurassic World 2, which... cannot wait for We are the last country in the world, it feels like, to get this film. It's already opened up. It's been open for two weeks in some places. Yeah. But we're finally getting it here next week, so we'll we'll be talking about that. The way the slate has fallen with Solo and Infinity War and Incredibles 2, sometimes you have to kind of pick and choose. You know, we talked about this on the podcast. Solo really made a mistake when they released Solo, being, you know, Memorial Day weekend... 
and steal on the heels of Infinity War, and they're paying a huge financial price for that. Um, and so we'll see. Here's Jurassic World. So I may be doing a double feature this week. I don't know. Put that movie pass back to work. Yep. Well, if you're looking for us online, the best place is our Facebook page. We're facebook.com backslash filmcoterie. We have our own website, filmcoterie.com. And then on Twitter and Instagram, we have the handle, same on both. It's at Film Coterie. And Tom Vassell and Patrick Rothfuss, I do forgive you for not being where you needed to be. I'll catch you at another Origins. All right, we're listening to the, you're listening to the Film Coterie. We'll see you next time.